All right, Bass Life Podcast, episode 32. This is a very fun podcast that I've been waiting to do for a long time. Uh, Farrell joins me and Tim in the Valley for a chat that is uh, all over the board. <laughs> if you're into jumping or van travel, uh, be prepared for some serious life hacks in this one. Um, you may have picked up uh, from other recordings and whatnot, but uh, Farrell has been a huge influence on the podcast. So we're super stoked to finally get him on the mic. Uh, we really appreciate what this guy's done for the for the sport of base jumping. And, uh, you know, we need more guys like him. That being said, uh, listeners, be advised. If you have delicate, sensitive little ears that get offended over some harsh language, turn this one off now. Just uh, be warned. Say Don't say I didn't tell you so um, or give you notice. Um, or you can write a mean blog and spread the word so other people listen and be offended and share it some more and we get more downloads. That works too. Uh, whatever, either way, um, hit us up on social medias and, uh, let us know what you think. All right. Uh, enjoy this podcast with Farrell. Warning. The following conversation may not be suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Three, two, one, see ya. You're listening to Peace Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Tim. Yeah, so anyway, we uh, the uh, alcohol, what were we talking about? Yeah, uh, just uh, like I really like fucking gin. And the best gins around the world, people, like, uh, they'll find some local botanicals and mix that into it. So I've got a mate up in the Blue Mountains. He's got his own little, it's pretty nice fucking, it's in a shed. And um, he's started to pick some stuff in the Blue Mountains and adding it into it. And he actually, he was, you met him, uh, Gary. Penglis, he was on the Baffin trip. Oh, I, oh, no, you I, didn't no, go. I didn't go. The I other fuck with that's yeah, right. The other one. He actually brought back some glacial water to make to put into one of his gins. Oh no shit. So yeah, but yeah, if someone here would like do the same thing and then find a local flower herb that they could do into it, you could make a fucking Ladabrun and gin that would be particular to the valley mm-hmm. and a fucking a little more yeah, more there. Yeah, and you can move it like yeah. so that it's. But you want it like a you you should be familiar with this, but like a nice big cock like right in your face. Hey, settle down, come. <laughs> yeah, just right in front of make love yeah. to it. Yeah, so um yeah, it's more I reckon they'd kick ass. And then I'd buy like instead of buying a bottle of gin from some other thing, you know. But it just it's it's a lot of fucking work. Need someone that likes gin because he can with his one he makes whiskies, he makes fucking rum, makes heaps of shit. Yeah, and passion is step one in anything. You know, you have to love it if, yeah. uh, if you're going to be successful at it and or put up with all the other bullshit that comes with yeah. doing it. Well, it's like in for him, he can um, he can make it, but you're not actually allowed to make any money from it. If you want to sell them, then you've got to go by the particular rules that of distilling. So I think to commercially do it, it's a, maybe a little bit more expensive, but I don't know. Yeah, and I'm sure that varies from country to country because mm. I, I know in the states under a certain alcohol volume, like it's not taxable, so you can like brew your own beer and it's no big deal. But yeah. if you brew liquor over a certain uh, uh, amount, 
then it's um, then it's taxable, and yeah. that's when moonshining came in and all sorts of <laughs> all the cool stuff that, yeah, yeah. that we're not allowed to do. But yeah, I think we sound pretty good here. Yeah, yeah. A, it's fucking hot, isn't it? Does she have a fucking fan in here? Uh, I don't. I've never seen one. In I fact, got one. I was the, I got one in the van. I was thinking about even shutting that door, like as a, for I'm no, such a yeah, 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 yeah. I'm such a fucking nerd when it comes uh, to like. Uh, Shut, shut, but, shut yeah, it if you want. yeah, we'll we'll wait for Tim, and then we'll you know it'll be fine. Like uh, this actually doesn't these mics don't pick up as much as you'd think. Like uh, we were in when we were doing the uh, recording with uh, Matt Gertis and and uh, Val and the Squirrel Kids in Spain. They literally closed the hangar while we were recording in and there, he and he couldn't didn't pick it up. Barely yeah. heard it. Like, and Matt like stopped because it was it was distracting to us because of how loud it was. But it, the mics, because you, know, you have to speak. So what are the new things you bought? The, is it the mics you bought that were new? Yeah, so I bought some lavalier like uh, lapel mics that are like industry standard, quote unquote, uh, according to Dave. Um, and that were the uh, ones that when I heard it was quite as shit. Yeah, so in the start. apparently mine wasn't on at all. Okay, <laughs> which so that's is why what it was. I sounded so like shit. Okay, uh, yeah. But, but we were. Um, we we were having a lot of fun that night, so my my ability to you know I'm not, I'm not exactly a pro when it comes to yeah. running this equipment. So all this shit, how much did it fucking set you back? Uh, all in all, I'd say I've got about two grand in okay. uh, in equipment. Yeah and, yeah, and I went. There are ways to do it for less, but yeah. I, I I was trying to find that balance between good equipment and mobile. Yep. yep. And then um, so is that why you went in those uh, lapel ones because they're a lot. Smaller than these. Yeah, like with the lapel setup, uh, with those things, I I could literally put the entire setup in my uh, nutsack of my wingsuit yep. if yep. I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, we were we were going up to Vingen for somebody's birthday, and we had done milk stool that morning, and like my legs were smoked. I'd never done that jump before, and so I didn't really know how to prepare for it, and. Uh, we were just walking up to one of the higher grill plots in um, in Vingen, and I I wanted to fall out like I was I wanted to just like sit down and just like cry because I was carrying all this equipment, and then just to carry it back down by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Dave was like, "Why are you carrying that? Like you you realize there are like lighter options out there." And in that moment, I had I was committed to whatever he was about to sell me i was like i don't care what it is if it's lighter than yeah. this i'm buying it so so i got four of them and how uh, dear were they those ones uh i want to say they're 175 okay that's I not fr- too bad i can't remember if it's euro or dollar i it always so what did you get for yeah, yeah yeah i just got four of them for now um and i can still use those four and a combination of two of these so i so are all the attachments the same uh, yeah, so I, I connect these cables to the those lapel mics, okay. yep. and then they have like a little um, a hook so that like if you stand up or something, it's not going to rip it straight off your yep. chest. Um, and then I'm, I'm experimenting with some hat options so <laughs> that like the 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 mic just goes to like right here on your forehead. Okay. So that even if you move your head. Whatever, like, see, if I'm talking over. Yeah, yeah, it's still, it's still gonna be there. Yeah, you got it. So as long as the hat is on your head, yeah. like it, it's gonna, gonna that's be in that, that range. You're dealing with cunts that haven't really talked into a mic before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, quite a few. Yeah, and then other people that you wouldn't expect or just just nail it and have like the most like uh, pure voices. Like Cherise came out so oh, well. That was actually one of the best. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that was the the funniest and the most uh, like I learned so much about her that I didn't really know from that. I didn't know she was into racing. I know. Fucking Bogan fucking car fucking nut. Yeah. I actually played that. um, I was driving one of my workmates. We were driving somewhere and I played that and they were pissing themselves laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I felt like the quality was pretty good. No, no, it was. was That was a really good one. That was just in the packing room at the Horner. Yeah. Yeah, That was... um, it turned out I was did, really did, was there other people around in that one? Uh, there was a dude packing at one point, you know, like shaking his rig. So yeah, like, yeah. if you listen for it, you can hear like the uh, the metal from the chest strap uh, or the whatever, um, like jingle. But I mean, it's uh, the way I look at it, it's where we're jumpers first. You know, if we're in a packing room, packing takes priority over yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. so there wasn't a big deal. Was, cool. Now that that was a good, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I keep reverting back to these mics because, like, I know I know how to use them. Like, I know they're heavier, yeah. and like, I I want to get better. But as as of late, I've got a lot of people lined up that I really really want to talk to, and I don't want to sacrifice the quality for the experience of learning. So do you how bring the other, do you carry the other ones with you? Yeah, as they're well? they're in the bag. I can yeah. show them to you after the thing. I mean, they're they're so small and, and like light i mean they're just how how dear are these these are really fucking nice uh these are about 120 a pop not bad what are they yeah they're sure was that some german shit uh no i don't know who makes sure but they're um these were also came recommended quite a bit for podcasting but the cool thing about the other setup is that i only need one set of headphones so that I can listen to everyone and like tweak the the levels. Okay. Yep. So everyone else just talks like a normal person, and then bada bing, bada boom. So you, when what you're when you're talking, you can hear everyone else. Yeah. So like I would I would hear everyone. Everyone would feed into this, and I yep. and I I can adjust the levels. Yep. But no one else needs to to edit. Yep. But like with I I, I use it in this scenario a lot, so that we, you you can see that what happens when you do it's almost as it's like a uh, subconscious trigger to to yeah. keep you in this yeah. in this range, you know, because you'll you'll hear when you go away from it. Yeah, yeah. But the hard thing for me and what I thought was going on with uh, with Dave's recording was that I'm hearing myself talk, you know, as because I'm it's my my voice, but I'm also hearing it through the headphones, and so I have a tendency to turn myself down because. Yep. Because what what's coming out through the mic isn't necessarily what I'm hearing because yep. of the. So you just got to get used to that of knowing yours. I'm gonna turn myself yours is up a different level soft, than yeah. everyone else's. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the trick. But it's um, I don't know. We, we it's like I jokingly say we have black belt standards with white belt experience. You know. <laughs> so we're just like. No, well, we, we, it's, we bought it's, the biggest wingsuit and just went straight to the biggest. It's sort of good. Like I've listened to a lot of them and they're they're fucking. They're really good, and it's funny. I'll tell younger jumpers, "Hey, have you listened to this?" And they're like, "No, no, no." I'm like, "Fuck!" Like the other the other night, a Dukes was doing his talk, mm-hmm. and they spoke about water landings. And I said, "You need to fucking listen to the water landing podcast because it was fucking, it was badass." Like, yeah. fuck. was was that the one with Ben and uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and tree, uh, yeah, that, house that was um, that was real. Yeah, that was that was a really really yeah. fucking good one. Thanks, thanks. No, because like yeah. like information wise. Mm-hmm. Dukes is talking about it, and I'm like, well, yeah, what Dukes said is good, but you listen to that, and it goes in an hour of fucking depth, mm-hmm. and like, uh, listen to it, yeah. you know. And see, I don't, I don't like to 
talk a lot because like the idea isn't to be about Randy and Brian. It's more to show what's up with the the community and the interesting things about the community. Yeah. And uh, I felt like I talked too much on that one because nah. like yeah, I did almost drown, but whatever. <laughs> I, I always like make make the stories too. I long. think I think the only thing you need to remember because this is the only little critique I've got is but then if someone doesn't go back and listen to all of them so you might have said something a few times and if the person goes back and listens to all the podcasts okay they're going to hear a couple of little bits sure the same but then i don't know so you could maybe like have a little thing in front of you yes i've told that thing four or five times and you can even have it where instead of saying it say oh go to podcast such and such 21 yeah maybe a instead of actually going through on that story that then mm. forces person to go oh fuck i want to go back and listen to that i yeah. hear that a lot on other podcasts i'll mention the podcast number instead of telling that story again That's a great i like idea. that yeah, yeah yeah let's get you tim uh let's three, see your two one one two three yeah there's the yeah, so we let's just uh, who knows I probably won't even edit this very much at all. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Base Life Podcast. Uh, this is a really special one. I've been uh, I've been waiting for a while to have uh, why? Well, because you're, I want you've been wanted, waiting a while to be disappointed. No, I I've, I want I was waiting to have you in person, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have Farrell, aka Lilu Dallas Multipass, <laughs> aka the Smack Daddy, <laughs> aka. The C word. Come on, it's, uh, <laughs> the it's <cunt>. a <laughs> No girl should be offended because they have one. Yeah, you know, it's a beautiful uh, thing. And uh, helping me out on the mic, we have uh, Tim doing, uh, doing some co-host. Uh, proper American way to say cunt. Yeah, because yeah. Brian's too much of a fucking pussy to turn up. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, he's, he. Uh, he had a big morning. He went to uh, Fizzy Stock and... Wow. I um, hiked black lines. Fuck him. He got right? a helicopter. <laughs> he got a helicopter. He had a real big stock. morning. Yeah. Real Sat big morning. Sat in a fucking <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> he had to get up early. <laughs> fucking... Yeah. Well, I didn't get up as early. Yeah. That was like a half an hour behind him, but... Um, where did where did Doggo go? I thought he might get on here. Yeah. He's asleep. All right. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> He's adjusting to a time change. He came from like California or somewhere. Just but. what? Two days ago? Yeah, uh, he got to my house Wednesday morning, or no, Wednesday evening. And, and it's uh, Saturday afternoon right now. Yeah, so there's there's usually a few days of adjusting. There's a nine-hour time difference. But Plus he had a fun day today. Yeah, first first base jumps in, louder Brunin. Oh, nice. What did he do? Uh, we took him to uh, uh, Lemus with yeah, yeah. Um, uh, your boy Ryan. Ryan, yeah. Uh, both, they all did. Fantastic. I, I did like how like Ryan was telling me you put Cherie off first. And you said, yeah, okay. And then this is the benchmark. Don't expect to fucking track that far. Right. I was like, <laughs> uh, so she just fucking nailed it. So don't expect to do that, but aim aim for that. Yeah. That should be the standard that you uh, try to achieve. Because uh, I, I, she out-tracked me. Well, that's also why I went She's last. She's a fucking so they, good tracker. Yeah. N- killed it. And, but uh, yeah, I went last. So, or no, Tim went last. I went last. So Tim, Tim was in a onesie, onesie, so it doesn't so. count. <laughs> but no, it counts. Were there any other onesies it, on the low? Nope. No. So oh, okay. they were just comparing themselves to the onesie. Ah. <laughs> that's like trying to... Well, you, you actually need... To, I think we need to rebrand them as an onesie. An as Heger says. It's way fucking cooler. I think... Uh, Robbie needs to change the spelling from onesie to unzi. Because onesie sounds fucking shit. Unzi sounds cool. 
onesies yeah. like a pajama. Right, yeah. right, but those things they kind of took uh, took off. Like onesies are really popular again. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's yeah. like the Kleenex brand of tissues. The yeah. onesie is the brand that everybody's trying to achieve now. Yeah, yeah. Even though no one uses a Xerox, but that's still what we call it when we photocopy something. Yeah. You know, like yeah. So it's it's marketing. Some good dudes out there for that. But um, yeah. So so. The reason I was waiting, I, I've been waiting for a long time because I know you would have called in any time if I had asked you to. I would have told you to get fucked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this is a special one because you, you are uh, one of the biggest, I guess, uh, behind the scenes giving me advice on on the podcast, how to make it better, or who to talk to. So it was um, it was worth the wait to to do an in person because you you never know what kind of quality you're gonna get when you uh, over a phone over yeah. a phone yeah but. We actually only got the telephone like about 10 years ago in Australia, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so you still have the cable, kind of like these, yeah, yeah, these yeah. headphones attached yeah. to the wall. Yeah. Cell phones are great. You'll see them in about 10 years. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, Farrell, Sam, do you want to join us? Or good? He's going down to get fucking my, my sausages. Fair enough. Maybe when I get that. Yeah, so like uh, I've got a lot of different directions I want to take this, and I, I couldn't really decide um, whether to like warm up with some van lines, van life stuff, because uh, I feel like you know more about vans than anyone else I know. Bullshit! And I just no, I'm getting <laughs> someone else to fucking build mine. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what you that, want. That's why it's still fucking not done yet. You also know what you Adam McPherson, need. the fucking rape van. Oh, so rape, rape van's doing your... Mine your, will be okay. a rape van. It's, it's, if you can't have Sam Hardy build your van, rape van is the second best choice. Nice. True story. <laughs> are, you, are you just... Okay, let's see. We could turn that mic on, Sam. No, no, go, go, go Sam and get Sam sounds really good on mic, too, even over the phone, in fact. Go and get my fucking sausages. <laughs> we got a barbecue in a little bit for the uh, listeners, so we're... We're gonna do a recording, then we're gonna go barbecue. But uh, so we just had Swiss Day. Were you here for Swiss Day? Yeah, yeah. How was it? It was fucking good. It was a. I retired a little early in the evening, so I'm on a bit of a budget. So I didn't want to be buying alcohol, and I thought, fuck it. Was it the budget, or was it just? No, no, no. It was the budget. It was the budget. Just to go to bed at like. No, I normally get fucked up on Swiss Day. I don't. I very rarely. It's sort of funny. I years ago, I never used to drink at all, but I always had a. I like spirits and co- and liqueurs. It's my mum's fault. When I was a little kid, she used to put Drambuy and Cointreau on our ice cream, and so was I got that to that get you go to sleep or just no, to, no, no. When I was like out? no, no, from like I'd say up to I was a teenager, and I really got the taste for liqueurs, as you fucking Americans call them liqueurs, which is incorrect. It's liqueur. So um, yeah, and then I do like spirits. I like cocktails. Last few years, I've been. Uh, building up my cocktail stash so as you would remember the the night me and fucking uh luke yeah and then all the russian white russians ended up <laughs> oh yeah and the stuff that he cooked ended up uh, in front of the horner we slept in his car because i lost the keys but um yeah so i was just like no nah, i'll have a fucking i'll have an early one <laughs> i could hear the i could hear the fireworks going off so um around my van I think everyone was trying to set my van on fire <laughs> so they didn't 
Uh, have you had Luke's uh, Romanian uh, liquor, liqueur? What is he? Is it a rakia, like I one of the boot polish? What it's called? It's rough. You can run your car on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had the Macedonian version of that. So, so Swiss Day was good. I, I'm sorry I, I missed it. Tim, you were there as well, right? Yeah, I was there. At, How at long? some point, I did turn in early, but at some point, I found myself with two full beers <laughs> that I didn't pay for. And I was like, how did I have two full beers? And that was the moment I was like, uh, maybe I need to turn in a little bit early. Yeah. I did see the fireworks, though. Oh, the fireworks were fucking... Everyone was leading up saying there's the big drought, sort of not much water raining. Everyone, The rumors going around that there was going to be no fireworks, and uh, they fucking... They uh, delivered like usual, you know, badass fireworks, the fucking the banging through the valley, you know, because I mean, you do know how they pay for the fireworks. No. It's through the parking fines. Oh, yeah. so you're welcome then. Yeah. I, I've contributed significantly to those, those yeah. fireworks over the so, years. So th- thank you, Randy. Yeah, because I actually pay my Swiss tickets as opposed to some of the others. I pay my speeding tickets when I'm in a hire car. But uh, you don't need to when you're in a UK right. registered van. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, since you guys left, or the Brits, well, not you, but uh, <laughs> since they left and all, like it's not. Yeah, sorry. Oh, what Brexit? Yeah. yeah Is that even a thing? Has it happened yet? I hope not. I hope it doesn't happen either. I hope it does. So then Sam has to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to annoy him. And so he, he has to marry someone then. Trying to figure out. Do you hear the? Do, do, do. Yeah, yeah, I hear yeah, that. I hear I'm trying it. to what figure out what that is too. No, you know what it is. It's the rocking of the table. Is that what it is? I okay. think so. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I'm sure that'll wash out in the. No, no. Editing. I'll just keep my elbows off the table. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, I'm like leaning over on this other table, but yeah, it's like um, that literally like I I don't use the top of the line editing equipment. Yep. Because when it's just a conversation and it's not studio quality. Um, you know Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey or something. That, those are my go-to for studio quality voices. By the way, yeah, his uh, favorite artists. Tay Tay Taylor Art, Taylor uh, Swift. What 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 are um, your what are your top five? What artists yeah. favorite of all time? Oh yeah, let's Taylor Swift. Ta- Taylor Swift. No, 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 no. like, let's be serious. No, for serious, oh, that usually fun. is it. It uh, drives me crazy when we were in the car. Do you listen to her because you want to have sex with her? Nah, I think I used to probably before I met T. And now, like, Does T know about that? Is she happy? If the chance happened, would there be a threesome on the table? Oh, that have, that'd have to be up to her. Or would it just between them? I mean, and I know, I know those my two, answer. and they'd, they'd tell to you to go away. Up to Taylor. Know, yeah, that'd be up to them. I know my <laughs> answer, like, but but you know, that's. I feel like the dude in a in a normal three way has like the lowest vote. Like you don't really get to vote. No. it's up to the women. So. Well, generally, it is normally the guy paying for the threesome in, in like, 90% in of the... In some way, shape, or form, <laughs> the dude always pays. Always pays. So, it's... But, uh, I don't know. Uh, as far as longest running, and you're, you're probably not going to believe me, but I'd say Jack Johnson is probably one of my favorite artists. Okay, he's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I started listening to him in college, and then, like... Got to listen to him quite a bit in Hawaii. Have you um, you've seen him live? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, probably four or five times. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, so this is gonna sound weird too, but Pink, 
I'm a big fan of hers because she's she's like, awesome, man. Pink she's, fucking. She's like a full on athlete and a and an artist. We we like, went to see her in Sydney, and she was doing the you know the silks, the ropes. Yeah, that, uh, she's fucking awesome. She's got a bad badass voice, real husky voice. Yeah, you know she's sort of one of those people that can sing poppy but cross over to alternative. Yeah, and, and she's big personality and she doesn't give a fuck. Herself, kind yeah. of some punk shit too though, and like yeah. be very like. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of her. Nah, just pink, she doesn't pink take is all awesome. too seriously either. You know? Okay, so so far you got two chicks. Uh, Jack Johnson, Taylor and Jack Swift, Johnson, yeah. uh, Pink. Uh, I mean, I'm still a fan of Metallica. Like, okay. that'll, that'll never get old. When did you um, stop being a fan, though? Because the last few albums have been shit. Uh, the one that they filmed in uh, or recorded in the uh, in the prison. Um, Something sounded weird about the drums on that one. Like okay. they didn't, they didn't use bass. They were using like it's, so, it's sort of funny since um, uh, Saint, Saint Anger. Okay, yeah, 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 that was that one kind of turned me off. I like the like the older like Fuel and some of that like. Um, I, I stopped listening to them after fucking uh, Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Everything else after that was just. Yeah, there's there's even maybe, though they've got a badass fucking bass player now, but yeah. You know, you listen to his other stuff. His other his other bands are way better than Metallica. Yeah, but you know, I I, I grew up. I was part of that like Napster generation, yeah. like the Napster and like Facebook in college kind of bullshit. Yeah. And, and their their the way they handled Napster kind of turned me off. Specifically well, Lars. Well, um, you know, you got him complaining. I get it. I get it. They yeah. did you? It's they're losing money. I get it. Yeah, you know, but and they should be pissed, but. Like there's a better way to handle it than that. Yeah, I, th- I think he knows now that the way they, they handled it was wrong because for years and years it was the record labels rotting them and they could have looked upon the the fucking internet as being, well, we can fuck off the record labels. Yeah, and screw the yeah exactly. So they, they wanted to stay because they're the big band, so they're the ones making the big dollars. You know, the smaller artists can go, well, we can deal direct. Fuck having you don't even really need really a record deal, but it does help in distribution. But you see that uh, with radio shows versus podcasts now, and like serious, you know, like satellite radio versus um, uh, what's his name, uh, shock, uh, shock jocks. Yeah, uh, why am I forgetting his name? He's like the dude that started like Howard Stern or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Howard Stern is well, anti-podcast. He is. Yeah. Why? What he does is exactly the same. It's just on a different thing. It's just a different platform. Yeah. You know, but yeah, and it's like, but he, he was revolutionary. You know, you know what? He'll he, eventually hold out and there'll be no one listening to him. Probably. Or he'll die. But or he'll do a podcast. Or he'll do a Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, or he's on Dancing with the Stars or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what did you want to know? What what did you want to ask about Vans, Kurt? Uh, so it's just, uh, it seems to be. The, the deeper I get into bass, the more critical having something like a van is to um, uh, being able to jump and keep keep costs down yep. if, for like longer trips and whatnot. And uh, I picked that up from you and Rami in particular. Rami was the first guy that I met that had a van, and, and my head exploded. I was like, "Hold on, you're telling me you sleep in this thing?" <laughs> and then like. Go base jumping? So, do Americans only generally use vans to abduct kids and rape them? Uh, it's a generalization. 20, 20 years that I ago, had. yeah, twenty years ago for sure, probably. But, um, but the I don't know. Maybe it's just my Instagram, but like I see van life shit all yeah. the time, yeah. and so I, I think every Amer. I don't. I don't know what Amer. I don't even live in America, so <laughs> I don't. I don't know what they're thinking or doing or what's popular. Well, it's it's so. catching on. You can't just need to. Mm-hmm. Even though I like V8s. 
like uh, now you've been getting the European vans coming into the US so people can do van life and actually travel instead of having their yeah. you know their 1970 school bus that might cost them shitload to drive somewhere you can have a diesel van like a sprinter or what do you call them in you have the sprinters but what do you call the the promasters where they're actually like a fucking uh, the Dodge Promasters are actually a Citroen Jumper or a Feed Chicago. Yeah, I, I got into vans over here, so I don't even yeah. know. Like, well, that's, that that just seems to be the main difference in America. Yeah. They're big gas guzzlers. We're here in Europe. You get ridiculous kilometers, and they're starting to get into America now. And um, they're they're the better vans. They're a little bit more expensive, but there's going to end up being a shitload of secondhand ones soon. So it's not going to be the cunts with a lot of money being able to do yeah. those ones. People can pick them up cheap and. Yeah, and I think it's picking up in the states, um, you know, with being able to travel cross country and yeah. hit other drop zones and whatnot. Like, I, I think it's, I think it's picking up. And, and some of the like my colleagues that like I work with, um, are really interested because they see my van, you know, yep. at, at at work, and uh, they're asking about it. And so I think it's picking up. But I, I mean, I've only spent four days in America in the last two years, so uh, eleven days. I forgot about Vegas. Yep. If that Vegas doesn't count, and it's kind of don't remember much anyways. So. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so it's like I, I don't know what's going on back there. But I, in my at least in my brain, based off my social media stuff, I think it's picking up. Yeah. Um, but how how did you get into that? Uh, well, I don't know. In Australia, we we're used to traveling a lot, so um, you know that's why here in Europe, I've I've done the drive to Norway myself four times. It's not that big of a drive, and yeah, Australia. Having a van, you can drive up, sleep the night, like like anyone does, any climbers do. And so it's 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 been around Australia for years, but the whole like van life movement. I'm not really like I follow a lot of people on Instagram to get ideas, look at how they do their vans, to get ideas for my one. Because um, like I've done the opposite now. You looked at van life to be a way of saving money. I've just fucking me and my girlfriend Sarah have dropped about maybe thirty thousand Swiss francs into a van. But it's going to do us for 10 years. So from buying uh, the best thing I ever did, I was originally going to get one exactly like Dugas, a low slung roof and have a pop top. So I didn't have to pay as big a tolls through France and Italy. And you could put it in parking garages. Yeah, you could put it in parking yeah. garages. But then I looked, I, I bought Sam Hardy's fucking uh, Yellow Beast that I renamed Mistress Sire. And um, that said to me, fuck having a low slung and a pop top, have a high roof, pay a little bit more on the tolls. $5,000 on a pop-top, how many tolls is that? That's 10, 15 years worth of tolls. So fuck right. it. You know? So then I was like, buying that yellow van changed exactly how I wanted to have a van. But at the time, I was single. So having a low-slung van single is really good. Um, with someone else, it's better. It is actually all around better to be able to stand. Yeah, you can't park it in parking garages. You pay a little bit more on your tolls, but it just gives you a lot more room. Because for me, I don't want a long van. I want a short van, be able to park it in front of airtime, park it in the city. So if you've got a real long van, it's fucking, for me, it's shit. Yeah. Yeah, Ben has one of those big Mercedes. It used to be a DHL van. Yeah. And, like, everyone in this valley hates him. Yeah. Like, because every time, it's like, he, it's such a burden, like, yeah. wherever it goes. Well, that, that, they don't that, hate him. They hate the van, you know, but. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, so we, um. Over the time, following other people, looking into their ideas and deciding what I wanted. And um, the yellow van's been awesome. Like, I only got a Goal Zero power setup last year. And um, I'd still have it, but it's just, 
like uh, doing long drives, the temperature, you know, and I just wanted something that I could actually comfortably sleep across in. So, uh, you know, I worked out what van I wanted from looking at everyone else's social media. It's really sad because I like the Sprinters the best, but they're too narrow. And there's a company in America, Flare something, that makes the flared for the window. So it actually makes you gain like eight inches over the two sides. They don't ship to Europe. They don't have a distributor in Europe. No one in Europe, Mercedes is a fucking German. No one in Europe has done that. So I looked and I went, you know, I could ship it over in in, um, like a boat so it's cheaper. And then I went, fuck it, looked at the very square, the... Feed Chicago, the Citroen Jumper, the square vans, and I measured them, went into a dealership, laid across and said, okay, I can I can have like 10 inches from my head to the corner, so that's the van I want, I can keep it shorter, and then just, yeah, just looked around, and the reason we ended up dumping so much money is I thought, fuck it, I, wanna, I want a bit more luxury, I want to be able to have, uh, have ice to make cocktails in the van. So, um, speaking of cocktails, do you need another re-up? Do we yeah. want, want me to grab the stuff? I'll yeah, yeah if you want. Maybe you can uh, talk us through the, uh... I'll tell you how to, Well, yeah, okay. Like your concoction. Yeah, yeah, so all you got to do is you got to go over and get, take that, and there's ice inside a, um, a plastic uh, bag, fully fill it up with the ice. Because Lisa's got the dodgiest broken ice cube tray ever. So, yeah... Uh, it'll be it'll be all in the plastic bag there. Oh, in the plastic yep. bag. Yep. Yeah, I I left half of it in there. So what what you're making is um no, is I'll, I'll just bring the stuff over. And you can okay, so it. bring that over and bring the three bottles. Yeah. And then I'll talk you through it. Cause it's actually uh it's a cocktail that people either hate or love. Are you going to turn Randy into bartender? No, 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 no. Or a no. bartender that well, everybody he hates? Well, co- he could because he's a fucking hipster. He's got the beard. <laughs> All right. So, sadly, I've got one of the shittest gins and one of the shittest vermouths, but it's still good. So, what we're going to make is a uh, Negroni. So, Negroni's Negroni. easy to make, but if you've never tried one, um, don't go and buy the shit. Go to a cocktail bar. Campari is a bitters, so... Um, That's a large bottle of bitters. Yeah, I know. We can't get... This is a litre bottle, so it's in <laughs> Italy. I, I stocked up. So one, one of the things in my van was uh, hidden compartments for smuggling alcohol across um, across into Norway. So, so yeah, the this is actually... Was, was an Italian dude went over to America, and there's a couple of famous cocktails which are actually on the back of the fucking Campari bottle. The uh, Americana which is uh, Campari, the sweet vermouth, which is a uh, sweet wine from Italy, and uh, soda. And he went there, and his name was Count Negroni, and he sort of wanted it a bit more alcoholish. So he had the Americanos when he was in America. He came back, and uh, a dude said, all right, we'll make that and take away the soda and put gin in it. And hence was born the the Negroni, which is like uh, one of the most popular and best cocktails in the world if you like the bitter taste of the Campari. So it's it's equal parts, and you can make it any size you want. So some people, if they don't really like the Campari, can drop it down a little bit. But, yeah, if you don't like Campari, you don't fucking drink it. You Choose. can't make the biggest cocktail because your gin bottle is the smallest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, try, I was trying to buy because it's equal parts, so I'm actually going to get fucked up eventually. 
Yeah, if I um, I may end up back in Ethiopia in a few months. If I do, uh, I'll uh, grab you a bottle of gin from there. They, um, oh, there's an Ethiopian they, gin. They they grow juniper trees there. That's uh, oh, okay. That's, that's uh, one of their largest. And stores. what is is there an Ethiopian gin? Uh, yeah, I, I forget the brands. Like I don't, I, the ones I was buying were like uh, super local, like kind of shitty labels. Um, but taste good. Yeah. Okay, get me a bottle of that. Get yeah. me a couple of. Oh, well, you bring it back. So just get me one. Yeah. You got to come back into Europe. Uh, yeah, they don't care. Well. Okay, I need a stirrer. So you got to go get me a. a, a give me a. Give me a pen. Pen will do. So it's a, the good thing about the Negroni. It's a stirred cocktail, so you can make it straight in your glass. Generally, you want big ice cubes. Lisa's pathetic ice cube tray they're very small so you whack the ice cubes in chilled glass which this is not put your campari your gin your sweet vermouth and um stir it and drink it generally you want to have a get get an orange and you get your orange peeler and you just peel off a bit of the um the what is it the the rind and then you just get it and you twist it over the the drink so all the oils will spill out and you rub it around the outside you can also a couple of dashes of orange bitters. Hmm. So Agastora orange bitters is the best. And yeah, have have a try. You yeah. you either won't like it or you will. <laughs> Let's see how it is. It's not the best made Negroni. I smelled it like it was wine or something. I was like, what? Are yeah. <laughs> All right, that's that's not bad. Yeah, it's different. So have you ever had a drink with Campari in it before? I get a bit of a cold, so I'm going to pass on the try. I don't want to get anybody yeah. in the uh, cold. You can. You can. I, I'm, I'm immune to Germans. I, I have well, alcoholics in my, my family, so like I, I'm not sure I've ever actually found a drink I didn't like. Okay. Well, alcohol. most so that, people... That was, that was tasty. Yeah, Campari fucks them up, but that's yeah. actually really nice in orange juice. Just Campari in orange juice, nice. So, yeah. It is a lot of bitters. Yes. Yeah, Definitely. So let's get down to it, Farrell. You you are um, part of the Australian based association. Actually, um, technically, the safety officer, which ooh, is unbelievable. Safety officer. Yeah, I thought you were like the secretary or something. No, 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 no. We're, our secretary is uh, Andrew Wright, and uh, Gary Cunningham actually makes him wear a dress when he does secretarial work. <laughs> but no, that's hashtag him too. Pretty much, um, I'd played a background role in the ABA since I started base jumping, and then we had. We had a lot of the older jumpers that were in the ABA that held held positions that um, were doing nothing and were actually being a hindrance and not wanting to move forward. And uh, it's sort of funny, top blokes, but um, that was like we actually run the Australian Base Association runs a base course in the US, and uh, the boys do it very cheaply. And the older jumpers didn't want them using the Australian Base Association. It connected to their course, and I was just like, "That's fucking bullshit." But they didn't worried about getting sued and all that, because as you know, Australia is one of the biggest nanny states in the world now. It's pretty tough to base jump in. Uh, oh, yeah, we have three states that that it is uh, allowed. Every other state is pretty much like uh, Yosemite. Okay. So you need a permit, and they'll never give them to us. So we just do it anyway. Um, so. So, yeah, with the older jumpers, we just pretty much said, um, like, let's do new new elections, fuck them off. If you're not currently jumping and you're not being a positive part for the new jumpers coming through, then we want you gone. You've done awesome in the bat in the in the past. And these are jumpers, not the earlier jumpers that started it. These are just the, um, the crew that would have been around uh, before I got locked up, like those guys that started jumping maybe five, six years after me or seven, eight years after me. Done a lot of good for the sport, but moved on, done other stuff. 
So we had new elections and one of the things that I wanted to do is like to have state reps in every state. So unlike um, all the other countries around the world, because we have shitty landing areas, we can reasonably control our jumpers. We know exactly who's coming through. So, um, yeah, we're just pretty much a, um information-based thing. So it's looking good for us in the future. The, the APF has um, made connections with our president about, you know, trying to make um, skydivers that want to base jump Australians safer, asking questions. So that's a really positive thing. And um, we're still just an information thing. We all jump and get together. We have a couple of get-togethers in um, the east coast of Australia. Um, we pretty much all know each other. Um, the crews all come together. We we recommend only a few courses. Um, Dugas is the number one. I believe it gives people a bit of everything they want. They can... Uh, you know, they can do the low stuff, they do the big stuff, they got, they're getting taught from Australians, which um, for Australians, learning from Australians is a really good thing. Um, we do like Snake River Base, even though a lot of people hate Tom Elio. Um, I judge his course on his students coming back. I've never had a problem with them. Some people can't afford to do a US tri- uh, America, uh, like a Europe trip. So hopefully um, there's some plans in the wind of... Um, I won't go into details of it because I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to, <laughs> but um, soon there might be a chance for people that don't want to come to Europe to be able to learn to base jump course in uh, the US. So, um, you know, global domination and all that bullshit. But um, our own Australian Base Association runs a course and it um, goes to Twin Falls and then to Moab and it's actually only for Australians, maybe some Kiwis. And we only really try to push people that want to jump just in Australia to do it. If they don't want to jump in Australia, we sort of say to them, it's it's not for you. We'd rather have the spots for other people. And, uh, yeah, the guys don't charge very much, which is a bit stupid because it's the problem that I've seen with it. You've got to have enough money to pay the instructors so the course will keep going. And... Um, but, yeah, it's, it's produced a lot of good jumpers over the years. Al Duncan was one, one of the best. Um, there's been a few other really good jumpers that have come out of it that, you know, just good, solid Australian jumpers that no one really knows about. But, um, but no, it's, it's good. And then we also, I, one of my little ideas was um, I get, every now and then we'd get an email or a Facebook message from someone saying, hi, I've done a base course, uh, take me for a jump. And I'm like, well, you know, who the fuck are you? Uh, why didn't you contact, you know, who are you, where do you jump at? Where are your local jumpers? And they've just, in Australia, you want to sort of stay a bit underground, but a quick Google search of two words, Australian base jumping, brings up our association and they can just send it. Like, there's a forum there, but as you know, nowadays, no one really uses forums. It's all on Facebook. So, um, but, you know, contact emails and they just send it off and it, goes to the president, the safety officer, and that's me. So I looked at that and I was like, okay, how can I stop? How can I make it easier for these younger jumpers that are trying to be low-key? So I sent emails around to all the courses and said, look, if you get Australians that are applying, please send us an email. We're happy to vet them, make sure they got contact with their local jumpers in the area, and, and then send an email back and say the person's good to go. So that's a service that... It's pretty much myself offers, and uh, most of the courses um, do it when they remember. It is sort of being difficult. 
Um, Tom Allo still hasn't worked out a way of just sending me the Australians, so I actually get an email for every single person doing his course, and I've got to click on it. Uh, no, he's not from Australia. And then get the Australian ones. Get the He's actually put in his uh, waiver that they need to contact us first, but they don't. I just see the email. Email them. Make sure what state you're from. Do you know the local crew? Put him in touch with them. Then I'm happy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, like uh, this sort of leads to a, a thought that I was having earlier because it's fun because with these podcasts, I get to kind of think about the person before we have the conversation <laughs> and meditate on them. Maybe <laughs> but um, you really are a gatekeeper for base jumping. And hearing what you just said just validated that because I, I know uh, BAM, you know, I, I, I wouldn't know BAM if it wasn't for you. I apologize for that. Uh, you know, like I maybe got a couple gray hairs, but but I'm, fa- I'm I value his friendship, you know, and he's been a positive influence on my life. And uh, uh, yeah, he's a good cunt when he's not smashed up. Yeah, and and you messaged us like, hey, fuckers, um, this guy's coming. Um, if I can take care of him, and it was just like, oh, I'm not I'm not in the market of teaching base jumping, but this guy's he's gonna do it one way or another. Yeah. You know, he was gonna do it, and so we. Uh, for better or worse, we did our we did our best. Yep. <laughs> He's still alive. That's it. Not dead yet. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that was way louder than I expected. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, he's not the only one. There's uh, Bam and uh, drawing a blank on who else I've fucking met because of you. But there's been quite a few, and it's been it's been good. But you you have a good like pulse on who's around and where. And who needs to uh, influence that situation? You know, I see it all the time, and uh, it's 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 great that we have people like you. I wish there were more people like that. Yeah, in well, sport. if if I was American, it'd be a lot fucking harder. So it's mainly be just because of the way Australia is that we our landing areas, um, and they're not all like that. So everyone that thinks all Australian landing areas are badass. If you're an American, you're coming to Australia, bring your base rig. Don't be a pussy. We do have <laughs> easy jumps there, uh, and we have some really nice ones. And we got contacted. I met a guy here a couple of years ago from Florida, wingsuiter, super nice guy. Messaged another friend of mine coming to Australia. He messaged me, and I looked at the name. I was, I don't know that cunt, because I'm really bad with fucking names, so I forget people. So generally, if anyone meets me, um, just remind me your name, because uh, I'm fucking I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or whatever. So generally when I take a fo- when I put someone's n- name in my phone, I take a photo of them. So if they call me or I search for it, I've got their photo. So, um, yeah. And it's like an Intel collector over here. He's just like straight up like got his own dossiers on everybody. Yeah, yeah but they all <laughs> respect him for it though. Right? It's, oh, it's kind of the neat thing coming and being here and seeing Australian jumpers here. They all want your opinion. Well, they want... Uh, I I don't know. All I am is a a jumper that hasn't bounced yet. That's been around for a while. Nothing special. Normal jumper. Um, I've had friends when I started help me out. So I feel I need to help out other jumpers. So I go out of my way for someone. Every now and then I'm a normal Australian and this is more my mum's streak. I've actually, you might have heard of it. I've got a list of jumpers that I want to see bounce. 
And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a list of ones that I think are going to bounce. No, I've got like, that I list. Haven't written I've it got down, that list as well. Not the ones I want to bounce, but the yeah. ones that I think are going to I've gonna got that list as well, but this is just, um, it's very difficult to get on that list. You've got to be a real cunt. And, um, they actually, we and not had, the Australian kind. No, no, no. You're no, talking no. like the proper kind. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we actually had one that, uh, was by number three. And the day that he went in, I, uh, messaged, uh, a grandfather of Australian base jumping, Pete Fielding. And I said, uh, Pete, it's the greatest day in Australian base jumping history. I won't mention the person's name because other people do like him. So, he was actually an amazing jumper, but a total cunt. And uh, he made up for it a little bit later, but he'd burnt me, and you know I was actually happy to see him bounce. But um, yeah, and Pete, Pete rejoiced, and he he agreed with me, and you know it's it's one of the things that is losing the it's still there the dark sense of humour of um, base jumping. Like I don't know the the BFL. I don't know if people remember the old BFL that Nick Giovanni used to run, and I fucking love that. The one on base jumper? No, no, no. Before that, uh, the original one. And this all changed not long after Brian Stout's bullshit fucking fatality where the family did not believe what actually happened. But um, Nick Giovanni, you went on the original BFL and in the top uh, right-hand corner was the Grim Reaper holding a, a crystal ball. And in the crystal ball was the current number. And and it sort of, it's it was originally, it said what the BFL was about. You know, read it, see the fuck-ups, bit of black humour. And, uh, us just sort of seeing the mistakes are made, but in that, in that, it's made for jumpers. It's not made for anyone else. So, um, the guys that run it now, um, Mick Knutson and, uh, Pado, even though I don't really see eye to eye with Pado, he does do well on the BFL. Um, it'd be better if he didn't actually post directly from himself because he blocks a lot of people that he doesn't agree with and we can't see when he posts personally. But um, they do a really good job, but it's got a little clinical over the years. Yeah, you know, when I talked to Mick, uh, someone else I plan to have on here eventually, or I would like to, anyways, Mick, if you're listening. Um, but uh, that's heavy, like managing that list. Oh, it's massive. Very it's massive. Heavy. They they both and, do a really, really good job. Yeah. Um, but the, the the to get into that one with the Brian Stout, that's the only one, and I've had a go at them about updating and changing that because... If you go on and look at that fatality, there's a letter from the fucking family. The family does not believe that that guy was using a fucking elastic band to put his big pilot chute in his fucking BOC. So someone down the track now reads that and doesn't see what actually fucking happened. And they were family were giving Nick a lot of shit. And he eventually put the letter on there, changed it, and he stopped doing it. Mick took it over. But, um, like, I, I always... Ask people, does your mum know how you pack your pilot chute? And fucking, I'm still to come across one that says yes. You know, like, so that that's the only one that's a bit of bullshit that needs to be fucking, that letter needs to be thrown in the bin. The the base fatality list is not there for families to honour their fucking, you know, it's there for jumpers to see the mistakes. Right. And that's, you know, they, they didn't want to agree with what happened, but after everyone looked at all the videos and everything... It wasn't what they fucking bunged on. It was their son making the fucking mistake. And but I don't know. I, I keep pushing Mick to to change it, and I still he still hasn't yet. So you can if you get him on for the podcast, you can ask him about that one. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? It was, it's, uh, 
Put that in the list of things to probably not talk. If it's sore, I don't know. No, no, it's not. It's, it's probably not, a really stressful it's not, situation. It's not really sore about, because right. in the end, the family is must be has never gone back to the base fatality list in five years. Sure. Yeah. You know, the family were really happy when they found out that Dwayne and Slim both died. They blamed both Dwayne and Slim for that fatality. That guy was doing um, two second delays. He wanted to be on this bigger jump. They put him in a in a spot where he was next to two guys jumping rounds, doing big delays. So that guy was doing exactly what he done. Mm-hmm. You know, he was pestering them. That guy jumped. He caused his own death. And the end of story. Just because he was on a big way, it had nothing to do with his fucking death. So if it's changed, I doubt the family would ever go back there. And if they do, who gives a fucking shit? It's not yeah. for them. It doesn't change anything. No. I mean, dude's still dead. You know, but that... Um what annoys me a lot about, um, you know, after someone goes in is how it's delivered. Not not to the family. I, I firmly believe, you know, family deserves respect and, like, they should be notified first before people start putting their, their like, bullshit on Facebook. It's pretty hard nowadays to actually beat the fucking media. Yeah. But, but, the, but, even, but even that, just to cut you off for one second, fucking... Um, like a lot of people when they're starting base, Dukes talks about it a lot and a lot of the other courses do as well, is um, who delivers the news. And uh, generally it's a friend that was never asked to, that has no training. And if you've ever watched the Shane McConkey movie, see the reaction of uh, Sheree to um, JT Holmes. He just said it straight out and she says, I hate the way that he told me. You know, it's... But actually, police officers are told to be straight up. But then it's better to actually have a police officer than a friend because the negativity is put towards the police officer and not the fucking friend. You know, I never thought about that. Yeah. And, like, coming from a military background, like, I'm familiar with, you know, like, uh, the person showing up at the doorstep and telling yep. the wife that the, you know, the Marine or whoever's dead. Uh, and uh, I always felt like that seemed, like, kind of impersonal. Like, whereas, like, I hate to say it, but if I go in before Brian, or if I go in at all, or whatever, like, I, I kind of, I, yeah, but I, this kind of on him. This you know? sort of stuff like, needs to be organized beforehand. He's so at like, least talking to T. Lisa's you know? impact card is awesome, but then people, when they put someone down as a point of contact, need to have that conversation with that person. Um, I want you, if I bounce, you've got to tell my family. That person's got to be comfortable with that. And if they're not, you're putting them in a kind of a position. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, and so it's funny. I, I've actually been working on a, a book. Uh, it's not a book I'm writing, but it's a book I'm filling out. Um, that's called uh, "I'm Dead, So Now What." <laughs> um, I'll add a link to it. It's it's actually not that good. It's more written for like normal ass people that are gonna die at 85 years old in their bed, um, and it's like questions about where your insurance is, and and it's like a lot of the questions. There's a, I wish I could remember which one Ben pointed out. It was like, well, that doesn't fucking matter. You're dead. Yeah. You know, allergies. That was it. It was like allergies. It was like, well, I mean, I guess if you're like on the cusp, you know, maybe they want to know. Well, but Like what you said, the, the personal side of it is good, but then the, the person needs to, you know, there maybe even needs to be, there could even be an article out there of how you actually deliver that because people are taught. My girl's a police officer. She's, they're taught of how to deliver it. So if it's coming from a friend, then there needs to be a, there'd be a way of saying it, and um, it is better coming from someone, but generally that person then wants all the answers. It could work out bad for the person giving the news in the short term, but um, I just believe that um, people need to have those conversations with their friends. Look, you know, 
people they're jumping with. If something and you're on a base trip, you know, the impact card's great, but you also need to have a conversation, you know. Are you happy with uh if something happens making that call? Because if the person's not, he should the question should be asked, the other person should be able to come back. There's nothing wrong. If the person says, I don't want to call your fucking mum and tell you you're dead, you know, and the person might be like, yep, I got your back, mate, no problems, I'm happy with that. But, you know, that sort of stuff is good to be said at the very start of the trip. Phone numbers change, you know, exchanged, personal yeah. contacts exchanged. Especially on some of those big trips where dudes have like seven or eight you know, people, you know, traveling together. Oh, um, any. I think of like... Um, I might actually edit this name out, but uh, Jackson. Um, Lee. Lee. They, yeah, well, they I, had a big I, crew. Yeah, I got a call. And I got a message. And um, I, I reached out to Gary, knowing that Lee had been to KL, knowing that Lee would have, uh, Gary would have the contact number to give the boys. Mm-hmm. They never had those details. That's like a massive rookie mistake in base jumping. But, you know, you meet someone, you... It's, it's a more here in the valley. Yeah, with your own crew... It's it's really stupid if you don't have their contact details of their next of kin who they want contacted in your phone. Um, on a coming to Lardabrun, you're on an exit. I still always ask people. Today we done black lines and um, cool little Kiwi Jamie. I said to him, yeah, give me your number, and um, more so I can call him. And um, I said to him, you know, fucking, who do I contact? And he was pretty much like, no, no, it's all good. Didn't want to, didn't want to wig him out or anything. So I'm like, okay, no worries. But that sort of stuff is, you know, it should be given before the jump. But here in the valley, you can lose that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Cause, and that's the other thing is like, it, no one wants to think about like their own mortality, you know. So it's it's tough to to we're all gonna die, right? It's yeah. gonna happen. Uh, so if you just you know, sack up and accept that and then put the things out there that you hope will happen after you yep. die. I mean, it's, it's out of your hands at that point. Yeah. You, you lost your vote. You're done. You, you know, you made a mistake. But, um, yeah, but it, like all, all the courses are pretty much they they tell the jumpers everything like that, whether the jumper wants to follow through with that. Generally, if they're involved around a fatality, they see the, the debacle and then next time, they go, fuck, that was a shit show. We're going to be more prepared. It's better to be prepared and never have to use it than it happens and you're, you know, you're struggling to get that information to the family. You don't know who to contact. So, Yeah, for sure, for sure. One of the other things, like uh, more not, not so much with the family and the contact stuff, but it's how the information is delivered. And uh, when especially the news outlets will be like, the jumper died when his parachute failed yeah. to open. It's like, well, bitch, <laughs> he didn't open his parachute correctly, or he opened yeah, it too late, or he didn't do like the the parachute is only going to do what you tell it yeah, to do. Yeah, but you got to you, you know got to remember I mean? the general media is not going to go into any yeah. details. The yeah. average person to that say drives that me nuts. Though. Yeah, but like, fucking, it's funny. I listened to a podcast the other day. It's uh, one of my favorite podcasts. It's a like a um, true crime one, and it was about a. Ah, oh, fuck. True. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, no. I, I can tell you. It's actually, uh, it's for long drives. It's one of the best. Where are we? You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on, um, it should still go into it while I'm on airport. I oh, know. Wait a minute. Back there. Podcast. Okay. It's Case File True Crimes. 
Now, they done one on a skydiver death in um, the UK, and it was uh, risers were cut, um, bridal was cut, and um, it's the earlier one that they never actually found the person. I won't give any more spoilers out, but the guys that researched it, amazing. What's the name of that specific podcast? Oh, or not, not true crime, shit. I, it's, uh, one, it's fine. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, if we'll you talk have a offline. look, it's not far back. It's um, To the podcast listeners, uh, we'll add a link to yeah, the specific it's, one. It's a notes. really, really good one, but it's sort of funny because when that got... The way that that was done, there was actually a copycat one in Belgium and another copycat one in America. So either the person read it and thought, ooh, that's a good way of doing it. Uh, they caught the other ones in Belgium and in America, but the one in the UK that in the podcast never caught the person. And it's and it's funny how very quickly they went from doing checks of checking, pulling on your your uh, reserve risers to see if they're connected. I think it was a month, and mm. uh, they went back to normal, like at any drop zone. They locked their gear away for a while, and then that's ah, a bit of a hassle, and all back. But it's a scary one when you listen to the podcast. But um, yeah, it's a couple of years ago there was a uh, I think it was an SF captain, special forces guy, um, jumping um, you know military equipment, and they forgot to like they glued so they glue the risers down before they sew them on. on yep. the, um, uh, sorry, uh, was in the military, not a military skydiver, so that some of the equipment names fucked me up, but. Um, yeah, so he basically, I think he had fires reserve, and then just just the glue gave. And he oh, so it wasn't stitched. Yeah, it wasn't ah. stitched. So it was uh, pretty sad. But that's that slightly different. But yeah, what you said. But the way the way they did it, the research was like you're talking to a skydiver. Everything was done well, really well researched. The media can't do that. Like that, maybe it took those people a month to put that podcast together, researched yeah. it, got everything right, done it, then record. With that podcast, someone writes it all, and then the guy, the presenter, reads it out. Um, I, I originally thought it was just him, but it's a big team. It's a real professional podcast, really, really good. Some of the, some of the, um, the ones that they do are amazing. And then, yeah, it's I got a bit of a morbid uh, sense of humour, so I like listening to, uh, you know, murder crimes and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like childhood cancer. You know, dark humour never gets old. <laughs> Nah, but that's that that that's a real good one for long drives. It's not my joke. It's it's badass. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's it's funny the the first time we met in person. So I I had already ordered a base rig from you. Yep. And uh, isn't it funny an OSP, American ordering a set of gear from a dodgy Australian? Right in, in Europe. Yep. Um <laughs> And uh, so I only knew the feral from you know social media or. And so I'm reading things that you write in my own brain with my own. How, how did you go with no commas, spelling mistakes, no no full stops? So I thought I was like, man, this guy's like rough. Like he's gonna he's gonna like eat me alive when I first meet him. <laughs> so I come up, and I I don't know if you remember this or not, but I throw the money on the table like right in front of your laptop, and I'm like, what's up, cunt? Here's your fucking money, like like all hard. And uh, you looked at me with these like big eyes and. And then instantly I realized, oh, I completely misjudged the situation. <laughs> I have made a big mistake. <laughs> and luckily you were like, cool. And you're like, hey, so take this and go put it in an envelope and then like come back. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go do that now. <laughs> but it was a funny moment where I was like, I have completely misjudged this, this situation and how it would go. But 
It was fun. I'm glad you didn't hate me for it. That's one thing that I've noticed about you is you're always working while you're here. Always. You're always working. Yeah, well, it's um, I do rope access now at home, um, so I don't earn as much money as I used to years ago when I was a drug cultivator. <laughs> but um, so yeah, it's the way it is. Like I um, many many years ago, I love gear. I from my very first brand new set of gear. Dealing with um, my dealer, who was uh, Dwayne Weston, who did not get me the colour I wanted on my pink. He got me fucking magenta, uh, but he was fucking good value. But um, and I sort of I look back at that, how that was, how I didn't get what I wanted, and then um, I you know kept jumping the gear I wanted, and I back then I used to jump basic research. I had a couple of prisms, loved the foxes. Foxes was like the go-to canopy in Australia. And um, I got locked up in 2004, come out in 2008. Um, and while I was actually on works release, I was sussing out, you know, what gear had changed. I'd decided to start jumping air tear canopies when I was on the heli boogie in 2004, just before I got locked up. And um, But I wasn't sure what container. So I got out. And, Is uh, that like a Trango or something? No, 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 no. What, what was it? Uh, well... I'd um, decided I wanted... I spoke to Matt Stainer in uh, the 2004 Heli Boogie, and Dwayne was jumping the trolls a lot. Dwayne, for anyone that, like, um, a lot of people don't... Most people do know who Dwayne Weston is, but a lot of people don't. If you look at an old troll, you'll see where it says Troll DW. The DW stands for Dwayne Weston. And uh, in Australia, when I started jumping, I started on Ravens, Cruise Lights, X228s, and... Um, I bought my first uh, set of gear that was secondhand uh, from a mate, Tom Bejic, who was it was used on a Who Dares Wins, a TV show. That they got a guide to do a base jump off Gladesville Bridge and land in the water. So when my mentor, Mark Dunbar, I was trying to work out how I can get more jumps, the other jumper said, well, you need your own gear. So I asked around who's got a set of gear for sale, and someone said, yep, there's a set of gear here, and it was a pooster. So in Australia, we had no idea, no idea what was going on around the world. So a pusta is actually a meteor, and uh, there used to be one hanging up in flavours. It's since gone. It's a very high-performance seven-cell. It's a very steep angle of attack. I remember that canopy hanging up in flavours, but I also remember looking at it being like, what the fuck okay, is so, that? I had no clue. Okay, so that, that was the Australian base canopy, and no matter what, it was like the Model T of base canopies. You can get any size you want. As long as? It's 210 square feet. <laughs> and uh, that was put into a uh, little uh, Velcro container. So it's called the Pooster, um, actually after an early Australian base jumper by the name of uh, Pooh Smith, who now runs a drop zone. Total badass. He had one. He reinforced it to base jump himself. His mate said, uh, oh, we want one of them. He was working in with a friend of Parachutes Australia. Um, who on license make fucking talons. So he made some for his friends, and it became the the canopy that Australians started jumping. It's one of the reasons there was a lot of injuries in early Australian mm. base jumping. This thing, um, very you, your D-lines get deformed when you pull your tail pocket down. It's very fucking steep. So um, it was a pooster and a Velcro container, very square one. I think, do you need another beer? Uh, I'm good. He's good. I'm going to steal one of your beers. Go for it. And um, so that was the first set of gear I got. And uh, the, the, this will make you laugh. The whole pink thing started. One of the cell, Two of the cells were pink. And uh, a couple of the uh, Aussies, hard-ass as they were, gave me shit about there being pink on my canopy. 
And I was like, ah, oh, you know, fucking it annoyed them. When I get a new one, I'm like, yeah, pink looks pretty cool. And uh, so, yeah, when I got my new gear, I got wanted pink, got magenta. And um, so, yeah, to, to fast forward, when a friend of ours, um, Jim Mitchell, he uh, died actually jumping in Baffin Islands. And um, I sort of helped out uh, Adrenaline Base with, um, or more his girlfriend, with any people that had to um, get their orders sorted out. And uh, one of my friends said, um, why don't you become a dealer? And I'm like, yeah, fucking, like I'm a businessman's asshole, right? <laughs> whatever. And one of them said, no, no, you know, you like gear, you like customising, you like helping people. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I emailed them and uh, I thought, all right, fucking, um, I like, I'd already decided I wanted to, I was jumping their gear. So I thought, oh, this is good, you know. And um, I asked a couple of friends just to send uh, Adrenaline Base an email, just describing myself so they knew what they were getting and I asked Dugs, uh, Rudy Kassan, uh, that people might know that taught the 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 flying Frenchies, uh, one of the most badass wingsuit base jumpers, slider down jumpers in the world, used to be known as Flying Mushroom on Facebook, now he's just as Rudy Kassan. I know the answer to this, but why do they call him the Flying Mushroom? Oh, he never actually ever told me. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe, do you know? I thought it had something to do with the being well endowed it could be i've never asked him never that's, what I, that's what i was told okay <laughs> <laughs> well anyways he's another I love rudy yeah, rudy's another rudy. person that you need to okay, get on this sure. podcast because um thanks where's my sausages so um yeah like rudy uh we met um just to quickly get on to rudy uh my girlfriend at the time uh previous girlfriend base jumper australian named of seven she um, hooked up with a couple of French jumpers and went down to Verdon. Jumped there. I knew nothing about Verdon. She said to me, uh, we need to do Verdon on our next trip. I've hooked up with some Frenchies. So we went down there, and uh, she was really good friends with Rudy's mentor. And um, I met Rudy. Rudy was at jump number seven, and already this guy was amazing. Like, you could just see the makings of, of a total natural base jumper. Um we were having a low pull comp, and his mentor sadly didn't allow him on it. Um, that was back when I was a little bit more crazier. I used to pull a lot lower. And um, sadly, at the end of the, a little bit further on that trip, um, his mentor was uh, killed in the, the Verco. And um, Rudy, you know, blossomed and became a, an amazing part of the, the French base jumping scene and um, has gone on to mentor a lot of people and... He he needs to be a lot bigger than he is, but you know. Yeah, he's he's a beautiful person. We we met in uh, KL fifteen, yep. and uh, I clicked like immediately. I was like, yeah, this guy's uh, awesome. I feel like I don't. I've only bumped into him a couple of times. It's since, hard to catch him, know? man. Yeah. I haven't caught him for many many fucking years. Yeah. That makes yeah. me not feel so bad because yeah. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, I know Rudy, but then it's like, but when's it's the last funny. time I saw Rudy? It's like, funny, yeah. too, if you're talking to Frenchies and you say Rudy, they won't know who you're talking about. You have to say Rudolph. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, they, you say Rudy, they're like, who? So let's let's get into the dealing a little bit and the, uh, you know, representing uh, a jumper's interest when it comes to buying equipment. And who, who, all, do you, who all do you deal for now? Uh, pretty much everyone. The gear I've jumped over the years, gear I like. Um, I deal for Adrenaline and Airtair were the first companies I dealed for. Uh, my personal preference of majority of my gear that I really, really love, I own a lot of their gear. 
Um, got a really nice personal relationship with Jean Noel and Laurie out of uh, Adrenaline Base and like what they do. Uh, Apex Base, uh, Asylum now. Just started, uh, um, reached out to Marty. Um, even though uh, if you ever see Jenny, uh, her profile, that was the most work I ever did for making no money. Um, Jenny wanted a profile and um, she was getting a canopy through me and I said, you know, I could have easily talked her into an LD2 at the time, but I knew she wanted a profile. And for people that don't know Marty, um, he's now hooked in with Squirrel, but he still owns his own company, Asylum, and he makes amazing gear. Yeah, and in particular pilot shoots. Yeah, those, those the Toxic, yeah. it's amazing. And so I reached out to Marty and uh, it took a long time, but we got Jenny exactly what she wanted. And uh, even now, her husband, Dukes, is, uh sees that set of gear and is like, oh, you know, you should be on this. And I said, well, you, there's no reason you can get an LD4, but keep your profile. It's beautiful. You know, so, and also uh, Morpheus, Kathy. Um, I deal for her, uh, Nick Burton, Black Sheep, even though I've since yet to sell one because every time Nick's so difficult to deal with, it's just easier to put him in direct with the person. So um, he's pretty good. And Squirrel as well, I, uh, I deal for Squirrel. I met um, Matt when he was first starting with Daybalia when they were um, just testing their stuff and I really liked the look of their wingsuits at the time and... Um, got on board with them. Like when they released their very first ever website, I was like, fuck, these cunts don't need dealers. And I sent him the email anyway, and um, Matt said to me, you want to be a dealer? No problems. And um, I don't know, my, my own personal opinion is, uh, like even in suits and everything, um, I don't really like, in my own personal opinion, the whole brand war bullshit. Uh, I wish they could all get along. Sadly, um, it's... Every, people have there's big personalities in designing base gear and wingsuits, and everyone has their idea of what's right, what's wrong. Um, but that's a good thing. It makes them nudge together and battle against each other and produce better gear. So it's always evolving. And um, myself, like I take the what the jumper wants, um, and generally it's more the canopy depending on what they're going to be jumping, whether it's going to suit them better. Um, I'm even like I still help people I'll I'll spend hours and hours with them and then it works out they can't afford it and I'm like no problems Mm. we'll sort you out with some second hand gear Um, you know like my main thing is I don't want someone buying the wrong size canopy buying something that's shit so the only out of all the brands the only one that I uh, despise and I wish jumpers would never buy is uh, fucking Bad Seed you know some people love them but um, they're like, I've got a saying, friends don't sell friends bad seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, When I and I know uh, Brandon Clemens personally, you know, the owner of Bad Seed, and, uh, and I think they're, they're, they're great people and great family, you know, and, uh, but, um, yeah, I intentionally avoid, uh, for the podcast, I generally avoid the uh, brand discussion, but yeah. because you pretty much deal for everybody, I was like, well, it's, it's borderline safe to talk about because, yeah. like... Well, Fuck it's, it, like you you sell whatever. You yeah, know, so, so it's it's sort of it's strange for myself. Like um, I, when I'm dealing with the companies, if a company tells me something, I'd classify that as personal private information of the company. So when I'm talking to another company, if they're telling me something and 
there's something in my head that I know that the other company's doing, nothing gets said to the other company. It's like they all do their own things. I'm dealing with the customer. I never try to talk a customer into a set of gear unless it's a bad decision that they're making. Um, I give them the pros and cons of all of them. And uh, if they really want to get a certain set of gear and maybe I don't think it's the best, it's only my personal opinion. You know, there's all those companies. Um, I jump at the moment now. I've got Apex gear and I really love the Summit. Beautiful container. Jump in their links at the moment. I jump uh, a lot of adrenaline gear, hype OSPs, um, Trolls, Trangos, Peaks, um, I've got a KN and an Outlaw. I jump the Outlaw and the Blueys. I love the Outlaw. Uh, I really want to get my hands on a Hey Duke, but um, I can't buy everything. So I'm replacing yeah. my KN with the Crux because I really like um, the Crux is really, really nice. So I want to replace the KN with the Crux. And, um, yeah, so it's in, in the early days um, with wingsuits, I used to deal Phoenix Fly through Adrenaline. I'm now actually a Phoenix Fly dealer as well. So uh, that's that's pretty nice. So you do Phoenix and Squirrel. Yes. Yeah. Nice. You're you're probably like you are truly Switzerland in that regard. Like you're just like that neutral. I, I used to do S Fly as well, and I'm really sad that company um, uh, dissolved. Uh, Anton and Zun were were amazing people, and they come up with some amazing ideas. And uh, just some businesses are really difficult to keep going, and. So that was a sad one to see go. Uh, Rami, I used to deal Raven. Yeah, I tried to get a hold of a Raven after yeah. he died because uh, you know Rami. I, Rami was a pretty influential in, yep. in my Lauterbrunnen career. You know, he took me on my first jumps here, yep. uh, and uh, I tried to get a Raven before or shortly after he died. But it was uh, somebody had put it in a in a dryer. It, it, the, yep. everything had deformed, so I, I backed off. But yeah. Yeah, so that's, um, yeah, and then, I don't know, for, for myself, like the way I look at it, um, as a business point of view, um, there's some jumpers that just, you you like a brand, you like the way a container is, you like a canopy, so just dealing for one for myself, I know I'm only going to be able to deal a, sell a certain amount of that gear. There's going to be other customers that want the other brands. So as a personal point of view, I looked at it and went, well, I've jumped all those other gear. I like different things that they do. So me dealing for another brand is not actually doing any disservice to the other brand because I'm going to be looking after people that don't like them. They like them. So that's that's sort of the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a good point that you're actually thinking about the customer because we need the tools as a customer. We need the tools to do the things that we want to do. We don't need the tools that everybody else thinks is right. If you have one brand, you're going to be doing the things that that brand is progressing on. Yep. Uh, so I, I have multiple different brands that I use, um, uh, onesie, but I'll wear a squirrel t-shirt. Yep. Uh, and I, and a and I get crap for either doing either one way or, or the other. I got a summit container. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually OSP. my, um, I've got my, uh, new container now, which I fucking love. So I, um, I wanted, uh, one of the super lightweight adrenaline sets of gear, but I've got enough big wall rigs. I wanted a Australian set of gear. So, like, it would have been nice to have got an LD4, but I was wanting a Hybrid 3, so I got the Hybrid 3 super light. It does me for Australia. It's got a lightweight 265. I jump in Australia, and I can jump it here. And I'm able to show the customers, okay, you want to pay an extra $250. This is what it looks like. 
given the pros and cons, is it going to work for you? Because in the end, like, there's some safety stuff that jumpers should get, and there's a lot of other stuff that, you know, you don't really need. There's, like, a, one of the main ones that's come over the years is airlines now weigh your carry-on. So a lot of the lightweight stuff, one of the benefits used to mainly be for the big hikes, but it's also so you can very easily stay under that seven kilo for your rig, your wingsuit, your tracking suit, which you can always pull those out and put them on, and your helmet. So you've got all your jumping gear on you. If they lose your bags, you can jump. So if you're jumping a gargoyle with a normal weight F111 canopy, you're pretty much over the seven kilos. So you can be turned away from the from the um, carry-on with one, with just with your container. So that's one of the things that's come into it as a, as a pro. And, um, and if I may, another pro tip, if you're traveling for a jumping trip, do not check the parachute if you can help it because yes. uh, that's the one piece of equipment that you need in order to keep your trip going. No, you're always, you're always carried on. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I... Generally, I travel with more than one rig, so I carry one on and I check the other just because I'm lazy. But uh, yeah, like I, I've had it a couple of times where where my shit didn't arrive on time or, or got stopped somewhere. But as long as I had that parachute, yep. you know, I was good. I can always borrow a wingsuit or I can make some other stuff well, happen. You know, you but. can. The thing is, uh, you should carry your wingsuit, your tracking suit on because if they do pull you up, airlines are different, and if they pull you up. Uh, wingsuit is like a jacket. You can pull it out and put it on. I've seen it at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually as well say to them, look, I'm going to pull it out, put it on, walk past you, walk to the plane, then put it back in the bag. It's going to hold everyone up. You may as well let me leave it in here. It packs the size. And then sometimes I'll say, no problems. Other times I'll say, no, take it out, put it on. And that's no problems. Like I was looking, I'm pretty sure someone's already got them, but um, I want to come up, if no one's done it, like a uh, a jacket that you wear that has... Because re- I normally have a, a mountain design puffy jacket that I put all my heavy um, leads and charges and all that. So my jacket weighs about 15 kilos. And it's annoying, but then as soon as you get on the plane, you take it off. So I was thinking about making a super lightweight jacket with humongous pockets so you can put your laptop in or your stuff because it's a jacket. And then when you get on the plane, you take the jacket off, you fold it in on itself, you zip it up. It's a bag. You put it up there. So you could have that thing weighing 20 kilos. So there, there is <laughs> – I've seen a jacket out there that doesn't zip into a bag like you're that talking would be, about, which yeah. is uh, epic. But I've seen those jackets where, like, uh, they have a million pockets for every little thing. Yeah. And so you don't even really need to carry on like, no, it's because everything's no. like – because that's like yeah. that's the thing you can hang stuff from your belt you can all your important stuff because that is well you want all your your hard drives your charges because if if they lose your bag you're up it's it's going to annoy the shit out of yeah. you mm-hmm. yeah and like i i travel uh extensively for work and so being able to like and i i just usually wear like a puffy um you know patagonia jacket but like i've take everything off and and put it in my jacket while I'm standing in that line like waiting yep. you know waiting to go through security and so everything that I'm I carry like goes in there and then I just put the jacket in the little um tray and then Yeah the, the other so the other little trick is if you have a person come to the airport with you once you get past you can hold back heavier stuff in your jacket with your friend check in and then they meet you before you go through customs and then you put your jacket back on or your little carry-on bag, because generally it's your carry-on bag and your computer bag. You're allowed two bags. They're always over. They add them together. 
yeah, you have somebody else hold your stuff while you're checking well, just, in. And then just if you've got bada-bing, one bada-bing. bag, keep it under. You can even keep yeah, your wings I like back that. a bit. I like but that. But if it's right on, they'll actually, if it's over a fraction, they'll write the, the weight on it and they note it down. Nice. I, l- I like the direction this podcast has gone. It's all sorts of little life hacks for traveling <laughs> and like ordering gear and like stuff I never would have expected to uh, to talk about. So, Farrell, where can um, before we go there, where do you see this sport going? You know, um, we went through a phase with wingsuiting where it was like fly, fly close to shit and like you That's know still mow late. the lawn. I mean, there people are still doing it, but you don't see it as much in the media what do you think the next thing is not necessarily the thing that's going to kill all our friends but like uh where do you see the sport going or, or improving or? uh fucking no idea because when i started um and i look at it if i go back when i started and i look at it now it's amazing the way it's gone um i see it being more connected i do see the general public losing interest which is i think a better thing so sadly for all the people that want to get sponsored and think they're going to make a lot of money out of it which is it's pretty difficult because there's still very few sponsors outside of base jumping that want to get involved they look upon it risky like if you look at the the valley uprising after that you had cliff bar they dropped a lot of their sponsors because they wanted to be really corporate too dangerous Respectfully, you know? Dean and Yeah, ben, oh, amazing. And like, that was one of the yeah. best uh, movies I've ever watched. Yeah, and then love that one. To read the shit later, to find out that, 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 that Cliff Bar Sorry. dropped those athletes because they looked upon it as being too dangerous. I thought, especially when on their bar they have a person looks like they're hanging from a rock with nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but um, it's... Like, one of the things in Europe here, I would just want to be classified as just another person that joins the mountains. Nothing special, because we're not. No. Anyone that base jumps thinks you're a hero, you know, that's bullshit. You're an idiot. It's, yeah. uh, you might, like, it's a phase, you know. You go through that phase where you think you're special as a base jumper and you're doing something extreme. And then you realize you just, it's a, just a different hobby. You well, what, what you're doing personally to yourself, it is amazing. You know, you want to tell everyone. Then you realize you look closely and you see their eyes glazed over. And so it's a natural thing. You start jumping. You want to talk about it to everyone. They don't want to hear it. Oh, it's like CrossFitters and vegans. No one gives a shit, all right? Like, base jumpers, no different, (laughs) you know? It's like, how do you know one? They'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's actually funny. I've noticed uh, um, here lately uh, there's lots of young Duke clones he's cloning himself <laughs> um but it's it's funny they it's like uh a rick and morty episode yeah, well they'll, they'll they'll do the course they sort of take on a lot of dudes which is good but then uh you sort of see them one or two years after they develop back into their own personality so they take all the good stuff from dudes and sam and robin and lance as well and then sam is standing off yeah. mic with his arms crossed sam. looking <laughs> at feral right now yeah. and i'm like so, is he is he well, they don't. Sadly, they they should take on more of Sam than they do of Dukes. Concur. But, but uh, you see them a bit. Uh, they're just stoked on jumping, you know. And but they do, they sort of take on part of Dukes as their own personality. And over a bit of time, they grow back into their own personality. And that's the funny thing of seeing. Like one of the things I love about base jumping is just the different people, the different personalities, the way people approach the same thing. And there might be someone that's a hardcore proximity flyer, someone that's a slider down jumper. We all pretty much get stoked on the same thing, you know. And 
big smile on your face after a jump, no matter whether you were able to track fucking over the road at high nose or you tracked into the trees, the, the stoke of the jump is the same. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you should stop fucking jumping. You know, like um, the saying, uh, you should be jumping for the right reasons. I actually laugh when people say that because they say that from their point of view, everyone has a different reason. So actually the person that wants yeah. to base jump to be famous and be a, a Facebook sensation for him, that's the right reasons. That's what you want to do. Might kill him, but yeah. for him it's the, the right reason. The... Uh the gloss over justification that kills me is the oh well he died doing what he loved. <laughs> it's like I I have been on the cusp a couple of times, and uh, I was scared shitless. Like I was yep. not like um, I was not in a, a euphoric state. Like this is what I love to do. I was like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck. Like how do I fix this? You well, know? it's so, it, like, it's funny the one that I yeah. laugh at and you hear it a lot and even. Like, jumpers I respect massively say it. They say, nothing's worth dying for. And I'm like, well, if it's not worth dying for, why fucking do it in the first place? <laughs> sure. Because there's yeah. a pretty good chance you're going to fucking die. Could. So if it's, it's, it's a cliche they hear and they repeat it. And people don't really listen to cliches, but I, I laugh at that one when I hear it. But if someone says it to me, I won't laugh in their face. Sometimes I do. Yeah, because you can cross the street and die, but yeah. in that moment you weren't thinking like oh, I could die crossing the street. Yeah, well, oh, I would have crossed the street if I knew I was going to die. Well, that's that's the game I, we're playing. I you think know, one of the ones that I hear a bit, and Doug says it, and a few other jumpers say it, and one of my good friends from many years ago, uh, Atla Dahl, who invented the smoke pants with uh, Yulinga and a few other Norwegian jumpers with cigarettes. Yes, oh, no uh, he stopped base jumping, and I was annoyed. But he took up paragliding and he sort of said, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I wasn't getting the, the stoke from jumping. So why risk your life if you're not enjoying it? Dukes has a thing, risk first reward. Um, and for some jumpers, they accomplish what they want and they might, their life change direction. And only they know, standing on that exit point, they really don't want to be there. No one else knows. Maybe they're putting it on for their friends, going on a trip. Because their friends are going, you know. So all I could say is if as a, all jumpers know in their own head, if they're not enjoying it, you know, then look to do something else. You don't have to fully leave the sport. You never leave the sport. Atla still runs into all his jumping friends. He paraglides. He's in the mountains. You don't have to keep jumping just for the sake you fall in love with the family. You don't have to keep jumping. You can stop jumping and paraglide, even not even paraglide, still visit your friends. They're still people. Yeah, 100%. I've got friends that uh, hung it up, so to speak. Yeah. And I'm still waiting for a few of them to come back. But, uh, you know, we still hang out. We still, yep. they, they come to the valley, we get drinks. Yeah. You know, so you never hang it up. Yeah. I, I, I would sport. rather they keep jumping because I only have enough time to hang out with friends more than when I'm jumping. So yeah. I lose track of my other friends a bit. But if they send me a message and say you want to hang out, I will. But generally, you know, my life is still massively involved in base jumping because mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you, by the way, like, uh, for for being part of it because you are a positive influence to the sport. A little bit. Yeah. So, Farrah, where can uh, where can people find you on, uh, you know, social media? Or, like, say they want to order some gear or they want to, like, just see what's going on. Like, Well, all you have to do is look for a smoking hot, Norwegian girl sitting on a toilet doing a shit on Facebook with the name Feral. So if you search for that, you'll find me. 
F-E-R-A-L. F-E-R-A-L. Which uh, uh, iPhones will change to Gerald. <laughs> Every time I try and send your name, yeah. it's like Gerald. Yeah, so generally, <laughs> that, that's the easiest way to find me. I have a lot of e- different email addresses. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the companies have me down in in emails, but yeah, everyone uses Facebook. So, so. as soon as you're done with your first base jump course, call Farrell and no, take no, no. you for a jump. We uh, yeah. we generally like people to <laughs> be in contact joke, with us now nah, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what, and, what, but like, what what do you want jumpers to know? Like like open mic. Like, what does Farrell want jumpers to know before before we shut it down? Um, get involved with your local jumpers two years in advance before you want to base jump. Make friends with them, skydive with them, become a good skydiver. Try to do more skydives than the minimum amount. Um, but it's different for every person. But be a part of your local crew, um, ground crewing. Um, you know, go off. Like in, when I started, it was all about mentoring. There weren't many jumpers. You could get mentored if you were either lucky enough to be in an area where there were some solid jumpers, or even if they were loose jumpers, they would teach you and you would learn as you went. Uh, nowadays, there's way too many more people that want to jump. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. I look at it as a positive thing. But, um, you know, you're looking at, you're interested in base jumping. You're, you're even starting to skydive. Start putting the feelers out. But also remember, a lot of drop zones around the world don't like base jumpers. So it's very easy to spot a base jumper at, at your drop zone. Look at their helmet, the stickers, look at their computer. Their they're t-shirt. in a track, if their yeah. t-shirt. If they're in a tracking suit... Generally, not too many skydivers jump tracking suits, skydiving if they don't want to be a base jumper or they don't have friends that are base jumpers. Don't approach them straight up in a big group, you know. If your drop zone's negative against uh, skydiving, pull them aside, ask them nicely, don't be in a rush, strike up a friendship, don't expect too much from them. Um, don't be expected for them to say to you, no, I don't base jump. And then pull you, they might pull you aside later and say, yeah, I do, but, you know. Like my home drop zone, Sydney Skydivers, uh, does not like sky, base jumpers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of base jumpers on that drop zone, but we respect the owner. Um, he's got his own personal reasons that the reason he doesn't like base jumpers. He's never, ever stopped me from skydiving there. I respect the rules of the drop zone. I respect the rules of the gear. I don't try to pull low because you're jumping skydiving gear, and I've never had a problem. So all I would say to jumpers is, um, yeah, it's great you can go off and do a course, but then once you come back from the course, if you haven't got a solid connection with your local crew, uh, you're putting yourself in a in a dangerous position, and you might um, cause a lot of problems, and you might find it hard to get taken on jumps. You know, you you come back from your course, you've done 50, 100 jumps, you're eager to go, and you've contacted no one. How's that going to go for you? You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely two pieces of that puzzle. You know, there's there's FJC, which I firmly believe in now, and I didn't do one, uh, and having a local crew. You know, yeah. there's two pieces of that. Well, they, that they combine. For us in Australia, we, we want the people to know their local crew, so to meet their local crew, do a good course, because at the moment now, there's a few people in Australia that can comfortably teach, but they don't actually know as much as they think they know. The FJCs know a lot more. So those guys, they can go away, do the basics, and then when they come back, because they've put the effort in, and it's not actually that much effort, going out at ground crewing a few times, 
Um, going out, even if the jump, you know, you might drive two, three hours, there's no jump, you sit and talk bullshit, you get to know, you strike up a personal relationship with the local jumpers that you're going to be relying on when you come back from your course. And those guys are going to see you come back from your course and go, oh, you know the basics, now we can take you to the jumps that suit you yeah, and you're straight away. That. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's actually the best way. And that, that works out in every country. Yeah. You know, like... And, and as well, even if you have to travel, we had an Australian jumper from Queensland. So it's like a 14-hour drive down to Sydney. He drove down two months. Down to Sydney on the weekend, ground crewed, went back, traveled down. And the guys put him off an object. And that guy went on to mentor a lot of people. Uh, sadly, he was killed in Australia. Uh, his girlfriend went on to be one of the most badass uh, female jumpers in the world. She now lives in Norway. Um, but that guy was a massive positive because he decided there was no one in the old school crew in Brisbane had stopped jumping. He had no one around. So instead of just going, I'll make up, I'll just teach myself. He went, no, no, no. There's guys in Sydney. It's a 14 hour drive. You know, this was before Facebook. There were, the internet was around, but it was very in its infancy. So it was really businesses, um, sports stars using it. He, um, he emailed a few people, he came down, and that guy influenced a lot of amazing jumpers back in Brisbane and actually kick-started the crew in Brisbane. So if you've got no one in your area, that's not an excuse. Right. Drive a state. The, fuck, the internet is so expansive. There's no excuse for yep. not finding somebody or finding the information. Even... Like that, the Brinto kid. Like yeah. just went there with skydiving gear. Yeah. Like there's no excuse for that. Like but that was actually pretty funny. I mean, I, I'm a little entertained. Like let's make this a public service announcement. Uh, do not jump off Brento with skydiving yeah. equipment. Well, no, no, look, this is another thing. Um, the year, the second, the first year I went to Norway, I met a Finnish jumper, and he was jumping a skydiving rig. But he had it configured with a base canopy, and the reason was he didn't want to jump, you know, full set of base gear. He's a big wall jumper. This other guy had done, um, what had he done? Fucking, they reckon five aft jumps. Turned up here with a skydiving rig, had ordered a, an aura online, lied about his experience. I'm not even mad. I'm like impressed. No, you, know? you know, he gets, uh, he's turned away from here. A few people. Is this video of it? Is this the guy? Is that him? I'm not sure we can. I don't know. Did you hear? I heard shit. that he did one jump. He's gearing his shit up. And so he did do one jump. Or did you hear? Yeah. Uh, so so he did more than one base I jump? I got told by a few Americans in the Pacanera of the Horner that he successful. Well, he survived one jump. And then he went back up to do a second. But that guy was pretty much told here in Lada Brunen, um, like, there's nothing wrong with that guy wanting the wingsuit. He wanted a wingsuit. Mm -hmm. But all he needed to do is, okay... I need to put in a bit of effort. Maybe mm -hmm. in three years' time, I'm in the position to safely wingsuit this. The guy was a military guy. I think he was French Foreign mm -hmm. Legion, a Brazilian that, you know, sadly, uh, Randy is a military guy. So a lot of military guys, have, um, they think that they're a bit better than everyone else. Not all of them. Um, but he didn't want to, he just heard what he didn't want to hear here, left, went to another site, jumped and went in. So, you know, pretty much problem solved. But if he had to listen to people, he would have, you know, gone home, skydived, mm -hmm. learned to base jump, come Put back. Some effort. Two Ask years. Ask someone for help. 
Not fair. I was in the military, but like no, 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 no. But this again, FJCs Max, weren't no, but, okay. that common when I started base. Well, jumping. look, look at Max Power. When he jumped here, was it? Did he jump off Yellow or Lamoose? The guy on the wingsuit that hit the power lines. Uh, uh, Yellow Ocean. Yellow Ocean. So his mates, like it amazes me that his mates knew his experience, first few base jumps, and he was jumping a Venom. Why his mates didn't just go, "What the fuck are you doing?" I think it's because it wasn't it wasn't around at the time, was it? No, 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 it was there. No, it was there. No one can hear you, Sam. Fair. <laughs> now, well, it's sort of, it's sort of sad hold, hold because. On, hold on, one second. Okay, we're recording it. I had to, pa- I had to break it to bring that one on. Anyways, sorry. Welcome back. No, no. So the, um, the internet, like the information was there. That guy, like you can live in a bubble, and generally, if people want to get somewhere, and they're told no, and they want to hear yes. They'll ignore what they're told. They'll find someone that will say yes. And if they can't find someone that will say yes, they'll just do it themselves. Now, there's no problem with that. But then doing it at places where you're going to cause problems. Um, and the sad thing about Max Power, um, I apologize for if there's any of his family listening, but in the end... We, we only have about 300 downloads a month. So yeah. That's okay, okay. That, that's all per good. Episode. Um, I was sitting Probably in my friend's family. apartment, and when the power went out, it didn't take me long to find out it was no one that I knew. And I'm sitting there cursing this guy because the power's out and I can't finish watching the movie. You know? <laughs> like, serious. So, if the, that guy, like, there's nothing wrong with doing what you want to do, but he just needed to say, okay, maybe it's going to take me three years to get to what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But like, it's also like, there's, you know, a, a good expression is there's been so much bloodshed over the last, what, fucking 20 years of base jumping. But maybe the information isn't there sometimes, but actually there is, there oh, is now, fair. you know. There is heaps of it, but it's um, a lot of the stuff that I always think about, and it's like that f- I guess frustrates all of us in a, in the same way, is that because the information's there, maybe you're right, people don't want to hear the correct the, the answer that you have to give and your opinion on it. Um, it's frustrating when there is an accident that was totally preventable yep. that could have been prevented for like a long period of time, and when you think about it, like the people that have had accidents in a rush to get into the sport, if you think, okay, well, that person passed away two years ago and now we're two years in the future and they'd still be here and they'd still be doing exactly yeah. what they wanted to do if they'd just gone slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you want to headbutt something when you hear yeah. information like that. Well, you know? it's, it's, it's sort of funny. That guy in Brento, I bring it back on myself. When I started in base, very similar to that guy. I had uh, AF3. My first base jump after F3. And uh, we never knew what the rest of the world was doing. Uh, my mentor used to put people off a very safe bridge and the people wouldn't want to do another one. I'd done it and I was like, that was fucking... Well, we organised over this bridge that you land in the water. I changed drop zones to a different drop zone and there was a bridge that it's a lot smaller and it's a sand landing area. Um, Australian jumpers will know what I'm talking about. I won't mention the name. Um, and I'd done that, and he thought that would be it. I was like, I love it. I want to do another one. And he was fucked. Because if you open the door to someone, you're obliged to continue teaching them. So if you're a jumper out there listening and you want to take your mate off a jump, if he wants to keep going, you've fucked yourself because you've got to. Like that's the responsibility. So mm-hmm. the whole death camping, mm-hmm. it's all a sort of a crock of shit. Because so I was lucky for, enough. For those listening that don't know what death camping is, that's when you teach someone how to base jump that doesn't have any skydiving experience. Yep. In in Cliff's terms. So um, I I pretty much 
um, wanted to do another one. So I'd done another one and I kept harassing him. So I kept doing my AF going through because bases are uh, back in 98. I never like a, like even the new jumpers now, I never looked much into it. The, the, um, our friend wanted to organize us, go climbing. I didn't want to climb. I said, I want to, I've always wanted to skydive. He said, all right, we'll go do a tandem. I said, no, no, I want to skydive. I want to do the AF course. I want to learn myself. So we did that. Out of that big group for my work, four people actually went on to skydive. Two people went on to become base jumpers. Due to the fact that we knew this person, um, he realized he'd, oh, fuck, one person wants to keep going, the same as my other friend did. And he said, no problems, kept teaching me. Um, but the difference for me and this other guy is I had a group of jumpers that now when I look back at it, they started coming on my next jumps. And to me, it's like, oh, cool, more jumpers. But what it was, was they were pissed with my mentor and, and sort of like, you know, what are you doing teaching this guy? They'd come and do a jump. They go, okay, this guy's not retarded, but I'm um, still angry at my mentor. And I kept going through my AF course and kept base jumping. You're talking about AFF, like accelerated free fall. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. how Australians say AF. AF. And... Yeah. And well, you should know. You're, you're in the military. It's a fucking acronym. I, yeah, but I didn't jump in the military, and, and I also didn't do AFF. I, I did a static line progression. Okay. But So you were progressing through base while progressing, while progressing through, through F, yeah. accelerated free yeah. fall. So um, for a while, like when I went... <laughs> like, I'm going to go to the special forces course while I'm going to basic training at the so, same time. <laughs> so the, the main difference with me and this guy that jumped and died in Brento is... I had a good crew of jumpers around me, so they were starting to come on my jumps, and the jumpers were Tom BG, uh, Greg Wilcock, Dwayne Weston, Slim. Um, there was uh, Dan Newellen, Rob Newellen, a really good crew of Australian jumpers. And uh, so if, if you could get the best jumpers in America and put them in a small place, that's what we had in Sydney. So I was very lucky. Um, and back in those days, base was in more of its infancy. So it was all this, you know, oh, that's, that's badass. So I knew no different. I um, left Australia with 50 base jumps, jumped a lot of our difficult landing areas. Um, I hadn't got my A license yet, done a big Europe trip. Third jump, third day, Maglan, one of the easiest jumps in the world, broke my ankle oh. due to inexperience under canopy. And. Uh, you remember the old... Le- no, you wouldn't. Yeah, the one at the road. On the, the other side, where there's now a car dealership. There's a car dealership. Yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, exactly. Right, Back yeah. up a bit. So <laughs> it was just a rookie error, not having enough fucking skydives, and broke my ankle. And I'm in the field, you know, rolling around, and my friends are high-fiving, working out where they're going for the next jump. And then one of them looks across and says, well, Ferro hasn't got up yet. Yelled out at me, get up, you pussy. I'm like, no, I'm broken my, I've broken my ankle. So they come over, and with that... I finished the trip. I went to Norway, videoed the guys, hobbled around. Graduated half. I, I finished my half. Just hadn't, so I went, I went home knowing I needed a lot more skydives. I needed to keep skydiving and um, went back home, skydived, still keep skydiving. But I can say to newer jumpers, don't do what I did. Mm. Like if I could go back, I would have said to my friend, thank you for the offer to base jump. I'm going to do a lot more skydives. I'm going to go into this with, so I don't break my fucking leg. It's still the only bone I've broken. So, um, but, but, but sadly, like that's the way I was introduced to it. Things have changed now. There's no reason for a jumper to be in the position that I'm in, that I was in then. The difference with this guy is he was at the same position, five aft jumps. He turns up 
with a skydiving rig, his actual skydiving rig, with a wingsuit, a very large wingsuit, to do his first base jump. So that's like massively retarded. And plus he's got no one to help him. So if he had good jumpers, they would say, you're a fucking idiot. You just, just go straight to the reserve if you're going to do that. No, not even yeah, that. Just, don't use the main. Yeah, it's, but that's that's one of the things I can say to if the... If you're listening to this, don't do either of any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's been done. <laughs> yeah. But it's... It's it sort of it makes me laugh and um like I think when I started jumping there was forty two on the list now what is it three sixty yeah it's over three hundred yeah so minutes. if um if you started jumping and um like after That's a while a time stamp on this podcast by the way there's there's so many jumpers that will um that will go in and and as sad as it is like my very first friend on our trip he died of troll wall and I celebrate. All my friends that have gone in on the 4th of August, because that's the date that my mate Daniel went in, because there's so many, to do a memorial jump, I would forget them. That, that's tomorrow. That's, no, that's today. It was today. That's, I've done, right done the Black Lines jump I did today. It was for Daniel. Well, awesome, man. Yeah. That's fucking sweet. So it's, but, oh, but, cheers to your... Uh, yeah. yeah. To your but it's cheers to his, him fucking up. Cheers to everybody else. <laughs> like, Daniel was an awesome dude, but it's all I'm saying with that is, is after a while, you no matter how good you are... You get lost in the in the white noise of the fatalities of everyone else. So, you know, you do hardcore shit. Expect if you die, you'll be forgotten. There's, you know, you'll be remembered by your really close friends. But even like my close friends, it's like, okay, you've died. It's there's too many of them to fucking remember them on every date. You know? Yeah, well, I have some of my closest friends now that have been dead for two or three years, and like I go back to their Facebook page just to remember because like my I'll I'll, I'll lose the image of their their face sometimes, yep. you know. So I go back just for that. Well, what was it? My um my mentor put up a photo today of um of Daniel when 19 years ago he died, and he he was a good jumper, young jumper, but made a little silly mistake off uh, troll wall. That that ledge is not there anymore, so you can't hit it. But um, he missed 19 years of amazing jumping, and you know. But but then again, it's you know you want to start jumping, you need to be understand that a small mistake in no matter how good you are can kill you. Actually, talk to yourself and understand: is it worth it? And if it is, then do it. And if it's not, fucking don't. Right. Yeah. And I, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is that, like, when you start to pass where the people that you looked up to or your friends were and, like, you know, you were trying to achieve that and you start passing that between, like, the training and the equipment, things are changing, right? And they're not here to uh, be a part of that or see it. And it's like you're missing out. Like, and, yeah. and that's something that. You know, I, I took away from Dukes' uh, podcast in particular. It's like, I am i don't want to miss out. Like, so yeah. I'm, I'm trying well, to stay. We've got a jumper who still actually holds the lowest pull in Wallaman Falls. And I have a joke that, like, uh, Tree Boy, his nickname is. Jeff Hollis is his name. Awesome dude. Um, was doing a... He's not American, is he? He's Australian. Okay, because uh, my first guy I've ever was from a dude named Tree Boy. <laughs> well, there's... In, in it's Ohio. A, it's a very common Tree name of base jumpers. Sure. I don't know his real name. It was just Tree Boy. But um, he's uh, he's in a wheelchair from a low pool in Wallaman Falls. And he looks now and he just sees the stuff that's happening and he's just dirty because he, he can't jump. So um, the people that are dead, you don't know what they're seeing, but someone that's in a wheelchair, 
Um, you've got Lonnie that's still been jumping, but mm-hmm. Lonnie would still love to have, like, he said to me, he wished he went to Norway before he was paralyzed. Like, he thought Norway was just for skydivers. And when he went there, he said, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, I should have gone there when I could still normally base jump. Fucking hell, well, gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. Like, uh,. Farrell, thank you. Sorry, Sam. Thank, thank you for joining us. I just tagged us it at, at the end, just at the end, because he's like, oh, we we got a barbecue to go yeah. to. Yep. There was one thing I wanted to say, but you can no, no, no. You can you can save it for another one down the track if I jump in on someone else's podcast because it'll it'll take too long. Okay, but you know, understand that you're always welcome. Like, uh, if you want to do a call in, I'll set this stuff up and we can just do one. Yeah. Or next time we're we're around, like the the idea of this isn't to just check the box on everyone that you know i regard in base jumping but to have like a, a continuous conversation and this is what we talked about last time what's going on now you know and like other yeah. things like like that well what, one of the things you said too there are a lot of cool people out there that maybe randy's reached out to you and um like you should the way you wanted to do this was just capture those conversations and the like you tell stories and you can never tell as good as the actual person. So if Randy's asked you to be on a podcast, don't be a soft cunt, do it and uh, just talk shit. And you know, someone will be able to in a hundred years will listen to your stupid story and will laugh or make it easy on me and reach out to me and say, <laughs> yeah, I want to be on your podcast. Cause uh, the most awkward thing for people that I don't know well Yep. Is be like, so, uh, do you want to like be on my podcast? <laughs> yeah, so like, I, if, I think if, you're kind of pretty. If you're like, really <laughs> good friends with another jumper and you would like to, you've got a, you think they're an amazing jumper and they've got an amazing insight on base. Say to them, hey, why don't you fucking reach out to Randy? Like, because yeah. it's a podcast for base jumpers. You can listen to funny stories. There's lots of educational stuff in some of them. It's the goal, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's weird, you know, like because I don't know everybody and I don't know everything, and we have our own like misconceptions in our head. And, and I'm not a podcaster, like I'm, I'm a bass jumper. You are now. You're a well, yeah, we're, now, we're right? getting there, getting yeah. there. But you know, how many you done like, now? I forget. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, we're when is that we're one? Somewhere in the 30s. When is the one? Yeah. The the main one that I wanted you to do is that one happening? The Joe Rogan one. Oh, fuck it, Joe. Joe, fuck. I, well, so we are we are all one person removed from Joe Rogan. No, I know. So why don't this. you just twist fucking Tuma's arm to get it fucking okay, happening? So 